The following two calls are from Alan of Sentient Future, and they are in response to the quantum entanglement segments. There's a lot of great information in here, stuff I want to dig into, and I want to give it an appropriate response. But I, I am falling asleep, and I am very tired. So I'm going to go to sleep, and I plan to come back later and respond. Well, that is if I have come up with anything to respond with after I do some reading and learning. But I wanted to put these calls out there for all of you to hear so that you could also partake in this information. Thank you very much, Alan, for clearing up some of this information and passing on some resources. Hey, Seeking Plum, it's Alan with Sentient Future. I really enjoyed your segment on the arrow of time. While I don't have a PhD in theoretical physics, I did do my undergrad in engineering physics and understand some of this. I don't have all of the answers, but I understand a few of the answers from the experts. Firstly, you're right, the act of measuring a quantum particle, in this case a qubit, can change the particle's state itself. But that interference, as it were, does not completely erase all signs of entanglement. Entangled particles after being separated are measured many, many, many times. There is still a correlation between those two sets of states, meaning that they match statistically significantly more often than would be suggested by randomness, and they're effectively measured at the same time, less than one hundredth of a percent of the time it would take light to travel between the two, meaning that any signal slower than or equal to the speed of light, which is a theoretical maximum speed, could not get there in time to change the state. And then as for the direction of time, I recently watched a pretty interesting video on it on YouTube by a channel called Veritasium, V-E-R-I-T-A-S-I-U-M, titled This Particle Breaks Time Symmetry. Without going into too much detail, there are three types of symmetry for particles that were believed to be true in the 50s, charge, parity, and time. Since then, experiments have violated each of them independently, and we have not yet found an experiment that violates all three simultaneously. But the time symmetry one was particularly interesting, basically meaning that at that scale, you could reverse time and those interactions would still look realistic. As I mentioned, one experiment violated this and I encourage you to watch the video. But to your point, really it's about fiddling with the thermodynamics at that scale. Think about looking at an ice cube under an electron microscope, melting it, then freezing it, then running the video backwards. Can you tell what the original direction of the video was? So how does particle physics affect our lives, or dare I say, help us live intentionally? <laughs> it's not widely accepted by the scientific community that is about the law of attraction, or in all practical terms about multiple universes, but rather our handheld and computing technology. Quantum mechanics is necessary for GPSs to work, for example. People already have that. And quantum computers are now being developed. The long and the short of it is that their computing power is much more dense than that on the traditional transistor based chip. To my knowledge, we as a species don't claim to control quantum mechanics, but rather work with the effects that have been measured experimentally. Time will tell what that increased computing power then allows us to learn. So thanks once again Seeking Plum for bringing up such thought-provoking material. I hope in some way to have contributed to the conversation rather than detracted from it. And nevertheless, thank you and your listeners for your time. Have a great day. Alan, thank you, thank you. This information helps to clarify a few things, but also it provided answers for things that I just simply couldn't find. In everything that I read or watched prior to those segments, only one source mentioned that multiple um, measurements uh, could uh, collapse the entanglement. 
but none of them mentioned or said anywhere that you could still be able to determine if something was um, or had been uh, entangled. It seems so bizarre to me that we would have no way of knowing this yet still make some of these claims. So understanding first that these two particles will be statistically significantly similar even after the entanglement has collapsed was very helpful. I mean to the degree that it wouldn't be attributed to randomness. The other thing I hadn't thought of but now makes complete sense was being able to use um, a change that happened faster than the speed of light. That would definitely be a key indicator. So uh, thank you for pointing that out too. I checked out the video that you suggested. As you said, there's a lot of great content in there and rather than elaborate on anything that you nicely summed up or that the video covers, I'm just going to include a link to the video in the discussion. Something else you said I didn't know was that quantum entanglement is being used in GPS. Or maybe it's being developed to be used for GPS? I wasn't quite sure based on how you said it. I had heard about the quantum computers and the possibility for quantum internet. I can't remember if I mentioned this or not, but I did definitely include a link in the show notes, and that is that they have now developed, China's developed a, a quantum satellite. They're still conducting various um, experiments, but also in the same article, they talk about using quantum entanglement for ciphers. Some of you may already know about some of this stuff, but it was new to me. And like I said, if you want to learn more about it, I included the link in the show notes. It's rather interesting. Thank you, as always, Alan. I feel like you've brought a bit of grounding to some of my crazy imagination. And that is, that is always a good thing, I think. Thank you for offering your insights and for offering resources. They are definitely appreciated. Hey, what's good with you, Seeking Plum? I just wanted to call in and let you know that the only time travel that you will find or time augmenting that you will find close to where you are right now is right here on Anchor. You could be listening to me call into your station right now and then go to my station and be a day in the past. Heaven forbid I have some episodes and you could be many, many days, months, years. Well, not years yet, but in the foreseeable future, it can be there that you could be that far back. But otherwise, what they don't tell you, I think that uh, science thing, theories are just BS for the most part. There's no undoing. I mean, whatever you want to call it, time, motion, whatever it is, it's only going it to the next hey my Mac. you know i think you're right in my lifetime i'm never going to see anything like what i might have been imagining or thinking about the closest to time travel is pretty much as you described you know i think scientific theories are funny I think that a bit of imagination and maybe BS is what keeps us pushing on to learn more. We throw one theory out there and when that proves to be wrong, we adjust it and move on to the next. But without theories, then we don't have anything to push toward or to push beyond. That said, there are times when I will hear a theory 
that doesn't make sense to me. Sometimes it's simply because I just don't know enough, and when I learn more, then I can understand why that theory came to be. And sometimes I think they can be a bit of, you know, a horseshit. Saying that may invite a bit of flack my way, but uh, there you go. I don't know if you'd call it a theory, really, but I was recently introduced to something called the Kardashev scale, and Kardashev was, is an astrophysicist from Russia. Without getting into a bunch of the details, I think that in my view, this scale is built on assumption upon assumption upon assumption. But it could be another one of those, you know, who am I to say? Uh, he's an astrophysicist. I, I, <laughs> I am not in the slightest. Yeah, I don't think we're going to see anything that is undone, as in scrambled eggs, unscrambled, that kind of thing. And looking back, I kind of think that the headline of the article about uh, reversing the arrow of time uh, was maybe a bit misleading, because if I remember correctly, the title did not include the word the thermodynamic arrow of time, which to me gives it a completely different uh, meaning. Normally, heat travels to what's cold. So for instance, your hot coffee mug, the heat travels out of the mug into your cooler hands. But the experiment that was covered in that article explained that they had found a way to alter these particles to cause the heat from the cold, like cold hands, let's say, to go to the mug of warm, uh, the warm beverage. So theoretically, I understand what they're saying with respect to it being reversing the arrow of time, but um, it also can come across as, uh, to the layperson, that it's just a, a process of um, maybe a, a change in chemical process or, you know, something that was um, done to affect this. I don't know if I'm making any sense. I don't think I am because I'm, I'm not sure how to verbalize it. And then in misunderstanding, I think that I took the whole idea in perhaps a direction it was not intended to go. Extrapolating and making connections that just really don't fit in the reality of things. Anyway, yeah, if they ever could possibly do something like unscrambling eggs, like that kind of reversing time or undoing something, I mean, it, would, it would appear like magic to us, you know, or something out of science fiction. It wouldn't seem real. But who knows? Maybe in a thousand years or so, there will be a way to do something like that. We never know.